T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Right back at it on the fan. Joining us right now is Giants beat reporter for The Athletic. Covering your G-men in this time right now where we need answers. It's Dan Duggan on the fan again. What's up, Dan? Hey, how you doing, Keith? I'm good. I'm not a Giants fan, and I think that puts me in a good position to watch the games and talk about them, even if, you know, they think I have a lean towards the Dallas Cowboys. I got that. Take that out of it. It really has nothing to do with it. I'm a former football player, and you and I have talked a bunch of times. I know you know football. I know you're physically there. And the first question I wanted to ask you was what is the difference between now and the preseason. We were so hyped up about what was coming out of camp. We were so hyped up about Darren Waller and him being this easy, open target for Daniel Jones. And and Jalen Hyatt said he wanted to be the offensive rookie of the year. What has changed? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question and, and one that I'm sure they're uh, asking themselves uh, over there quite a bit at 1925 Giants Drive because, yeah, there was uh, a lot of optimism, you know, you know, training camp is a time for optimism, but you, you know, you still saw the team on the field every day and the offense looked really good. I mean, Darren Waller looked like a monster. Uh, Jalen Hyatt was making big plays. Daniel Jones looked super comfortable. Uh, I would say the biggest probably difference from training camp to now is in training camp, Daniel Jones in a red jersey and the offensive line, you know, can't really give up sacks. And mm-hmm. certainly that changes when, when the real games start. And that's obviously been a huge problem for this team just to, the kind of instability of the offensive line, not having Andrew Thomas, huge blow, but you know, the other four spots have all pretty much been weaknesses. So, um, I mean, that's, if you want to get like a biggest difference, it's probably just that. I mean, you know, and in camp, it's kind of glorified passing camp. So you don't have to worry about getting hit. And certainly that changes, uh, once the game starts for real. And it's, you know, again, there's a multitude of problems. We'll probably touch on a bunch of them here, but I mean, I think a lot of it starts right there with the offensive line and just the inability, um, to really have a functional offense. Uh, based on you know, kind of starting there, and then again, there's there's many other issues from there. Yeah, speaking on the difference between practice and the actual game, there was a report that came out that um, the Giants never practiced that tush push, which we're calling the brotherly shove. But I guess we're not <laughs> going to do that because they're you know rivals of the Giants. I don't like either name, but I think brotherly shove is the more fitting name. But I guess the Giants will call it the tush push. But supposedly they had never practiced that in practice. And uh, the decision to go for it there doesn't look great now. There was a rumor or a report, let's say, that they didn't hold a true practice for a full week after Thursday night football. I guess these guys had extra time off. Do you feel like the Giants, I I definitely feel like Brian Dable is here. Do you feel like the Giants uh, have kind of got caught with their pants down early on this season and they were kind of, you know, riding high off the playoff win last year and all the hype in New York and, Everyone's saying, oh, they got more talent this year and the coach of the year and a 
$40 million quarterback and Saquon's happy. And do you think that, you know, they, they've kind of gotten caught early on this season not being as prepared as they should be? All right, so there's a lot to unpack there. I'll start with the, uh, the where you started there with the, the tush push, whatever you want to call it, play. I don't think that's a big deal that they didn't practice that because just A, a think about that play on, on Monday night. Two players got hurt, so I don't really want to be putting guys in that type of physical collision in practice. I don't know how you'd practice it and the quarterback's wearing a red jersey, as we just talked about. You can't, you know, Daniel Jones in the actual game is obviously throwing his body and uh, putting it at risk. I don't think that's a play you really practice, and I also think it's a little bit unfair because they were 4 for 4 doing that uh, earlier this season. So it's not like the first time they tried it, it was a disaster. I mean, you know, the 80% success rate doing it, um, obviously that one stands out and it was a bad one, but yeah, I don't think not practicing that is a problem. Not to cut you um, off, Dan, it's, it's a QB sneak. It's a, it's a play that everybody has run. Obviously there's a little more to it with everybody coming together, but I always think about Patrick Ewing uh, saying, D- did you practice that shot? You know, take the shots in the game that you practice, but it's 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 something that I think people are making more of than yeah. It needs I mean, they walk through it, so they you know they know where they're supposed to. You know, again, it's that's just that's just will, that's leverage. There's nothing too complicated about that play. It's get lower than the man in front of you and push him as hard as you can, and then you get guys behind the quarterback doing the same. So, um, but that you know that's here today. You asked a bigger picture question, which I think is interesting. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I I, I will say to Brian Dable's credit, he never really took any victory lap for any success they had last year. I think one of the best sound bites of the off season was we're at the owners' meetings. It's kind of a relaxed setting. It'd be the time you could probably kind of, you know, bask in your coach of the year award. And someone was asking a question. It was kind of like a long question about like the success they had last year. And he cut the reporter off and said, "Yeah," and then got smoked in the playoffs. So like, I think that was a good message to send. Like that, that he wasn't sitting there, um, you know, again just basking in the glory of a nine-win season. He understood that uh, they still have a long way to go. I mean, this guy obviously has. Um, you know, was in New England for a long time, and then Buffalo, you know, has won a lot of games in this league, so I think he understands they didn't really accomplish anything last year. It was a great first season for this regime, but still a long way to go. So I, I don't think that he necessarily bought into that. I think people probably around the organization may have, and maybe that influenced some of their decisions, because they certainly were uh, more aggressive than, you know, maybe you would have expected this offseason, where I think that's been a, a characteristic of the Giants franchise for years, where it's like they taste a little success, and they kind of you know, hit the gas. I'm like, let's go all in. And, and again, um, you know, you're going to try to win every year, but it did feel like they kind of hit the gas a little bit on this, you know, rebuild. And I think that's kind of natural because they did have some success last year. And obviously you want to build on that. Um, but yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know like how they've gotten to this point. And even you, you mentioned uh, in that question about the, the long layoff in practice, um, you know, there's a little different in season with the scheduling. Um, you know, they came back from a two games in five days on the West coast. I understand we get some downtime, but, Certainly, I think there's, it's fair to examine just sort of the overall practice structure of training camp. It was definitely a pretty lax camp, definitely not running guys into the ground. Obviously, a lot of that's done with injury prevention in mind. And then you get to the real games, and the injuries still happen. And it didn't seem like it's really paid off very much. And then you start to wonder, well, maybe if there was, you know, they were a little more callous in camp, but they've been more ready when the season starts. That's one of those things where, uh, you know, really, it's a hindsight type thing for us to sit here and evaluate. But uh, obviously, these guys get paid the big bucks to to kind of have a, a read on those types of things before you see how the results are. One of the first things I said today about the Giants and that game, and um, you know the offense, I, I jokingly call them the FG men, the New York Field Goal Giants. Graham <laughs> Gano, um, you know, because this has been a theme for a few years, not being able to punch it in. But you know, how good can you expect them to be without their two best offensive players? If you take the two best offensive players off every NFL team, they're going to look a lot different. And I say that to say this. Andrew Thomas is not there. Hasn't been there since week one. Saquon Barkley is not there. 
This is now the second game without him. Do you let those guys rest, or do you think that they'll let those guys rest another week or two, maybe before the Commanders, or when do you expect to see them back on the same timeline? Uh, I think I think before we can really look at this offense, obviously there's questions on the offensive line. I think you got to get Thomas back and you got to get Saquon back. When can we expect to see those guys? Yeah, I mean, I think those decisions will be dictated solely by the trainers. I don't think they've made any strategic decisions. Like they obviously can't afford to hold guys out. You're not going to push guys if they're not ready just to, you know, because you think it's an important game. But uh, I mean, Saquon, there's been so much optimism both weeks, and then you know he's ruled out uh, the 49ers game, which there was no chance he's going to play in that game. I don't really get why Brian Dable tried to keep that door open. Uh, but he was on the practice field last week. It was listed as doubtful, but again, you know, he's making progress. I think it's realistic that he could be back on Sunday in Miami. I don't think it's a guarantee, but you know, the fact that he was, you know, limited, was able to make some progress last week. Now, now I kind of just see uh, as they kind of ramp it up this week. I think if he's not back this week, he certainly should be back the following from Buffalo. Uh, Andrew Thomas is more of a question mark to me because they were trying to ramp him up in the hopes that he'd be back for the Monday night game, but his first practice out there, uh, he re-aggravated the hamstring and obviously anyone who's been around sports knows hamstring injuries can linger. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's maybe as simple as, okay, like let it, you know, calm down for a couple of days because then you're going to push him right back out there in practice. What if he does it again? So I think they might have to exercise a little caution there, which, you know, that obviously uh, has been a major injury. I mean, he really hasn't been healthy all season. When you think about it, he got injured on the, the first series, uh, that field goal block from hell uh, that I've just come to refer to it as. He was trying to chase down um, the Dallas guy after he picked up the loose ball there and returned for a touchdown. Uh, so, you know, having your all-pro left tackle basically not healthy all season and obviously not in the lineup for the last three games, that's a major blow. And, yeah, I, I don't know at this point if he'll be ready for Sunday. I would just think it seems like an outside shot just because he just re-aggravated a couple days ago. I don't think you want to push it again and then potentially have an even longer setback. So I think – um, they're probably looking at least another week without Thomas, but we'll probably get a better idea based on what he does or doesn't do at practice tomorrow. If it were me, I would skip the Dolphins and Bills game and have those two guys ready to go for the division game against the Commanders at home and then the rivalry with the Jets at home. If it were me, I'd say uh, we're not going to force you guys to go to Miami and be ready to go or Buffalo and be ready to go. But that's me. That's me as a fan saying, you know, I don't think that they're going to win those games and you want those guys to be healthy and be able to go through the rest of the season. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Justin Pugh. Um, I mean, I I guess it's a real thing. He's signing to the practice squad, but do you see him being a starter on this offensive line? Uh, It's a depth move, move, but, like, do you see him getting back into the, like, like, I don't know, it's crazy. Is this a real thing? (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, if there's a unit a guy could, you know, work his way into the starting lineup, you know, faster than others, it would probably be the Giants' offensive line. Um, yeah, I mean, he's 33 years old. He's coming off a torn ACL. So I think you know, he's been pretty open about this, that uh, whenever he signed, it's going to take a little bit of time for him just kind of get his sea legs back, get up to speed. So certainly won't be a situation where he's going to, you know, sign on Tuesday and, you know, play on Sunday. But, you know, I think a week or two, you know, however long that process takes, you know, it's impossible to know from from where I sit. But, uh, I do think there's a chance because I mean he's you know he's more accomplished really than any uh, any player on this offensive line outside of Andrew Thomas. You know, he's got I think, like 100 starts in his career. Obviously, again he's he's been around a long time. Um, but yeah, I mean listen, that offensive line is in a real state of flux. There's some injury concerns now where we don't know the status yet of John Michael Schmidt. He also got hurt on that uh, that quarterback sneak play. Um, Shane Lemieux, who you know has kind of just been like a a backup, but he's been pressing the duty here. He got hurt last night, so. 
we don't even know if, you know, they might, they might need to make an addition just from like the practice squad this week, just to have enough bodies for Sunday. But then, yeah, the, the door is certainly open for a guy like Justin Pugh. If, you know, if he's healthy and he shows that he still can play, um, they, they need to be looking at all corners for, for reinforcements on the offensive line. But he certainly, I think, has a, has a real chance to potentially, uh, get into that lineup, in, you know, in, in a few weeks, probably down the road. Yeah, I didn't realize he's 33. I thought he was over 35 for some reason. I thought he was a little bit older uh, coming back like a Jason Peters or a Dwayne Brown or something like 33. He probably yeah. still does have something left in him, like he said. Now, um, in the beginning of my show, talking about Daniel Jones, as I feel like people are piling on with Daniel Jones. I feel like he's the easy target uh, because of his contract and because he is just a quiet guy. Like he's not really like, you know, a look at me guy. He's just, you know. There, I feel like he gets kind of bullied and, and picked on. I don't know. Uh, I, I just feel like it's hard. I played quarterback in high school and college, and I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing me say that. But I say that to say, like, I can relate to getting hit. I can relate to having to process information and having guys bearing down on you. I tried to make the analogy for everyone that I'm like, imagine you're driving through Tropical Storm Ophelia and you've got a four-hour trip. That's four quarters. And it starts steady raining on you in the beginning. You're all right in the beginning, but then the rain picks up. And then, like, you know, you, you miss a turn here, and now you're frazzled. Now you're impaired. Or, you know, maybe the uh, the beers you had before you got in the car start kicking <laughs> in. Now you're a, little, you're a little buzz. Like, it's just hard to do when you're in that altered state. He's not clean. He doesn't have Saquon to hand the ball to. Obviously, I know there were some mistakes on on his part, some reads that he missed, but I attribute that to the offensive line not protecting him what do you think about daniel jones do you think that this guy is a guy that they paid too much money and and he's got to drag the team to victory despite the shortcomings of the offensive line or do you feel like um you know it's it's more on the offensive line them missing by like i, I don't know I, I feel like it's a little bit of both but i'm leaning to, towards more of they, they got to do a better job protecting him what do you say Right, right. No, I think it sort of is like a chicken and egg type argument here where it's like obviously the offensive line has not been good but then there's also instances where either Jones isn't pulling the trigger or he's bailing out of a clean pocket. And, and you know, I've tweeted that today, and a lot of people are coming back and like, of course he's, you know, skittish in the pocket. Look at all the pressure under. And, like, that's fine. Like, if you want to defend Daniel Jones, that's fine. But if you're just a Giants fan, it's a problem if your quarterback's internal clock is fed up. It's not his fault necessarily. It's the fault of the offensive line or the coaches. Whoever you want to put it on, that's fine. But it's still just a problem that needs to be addressed. I mean, you know, you've seen quarterbacks where it can really – um, kind of derail their careers. Um, again, I'm not saying he's at that point yet, but to just say, hey, it's not his fault, like, that's fine, but they need to figure something out. And, I mean, I know they're trying things. They're doing max protect plays just to get, like, two men running, you know, curl routes. It's not, not even for shot plays. It's just, like, they're so desperate to try to, you know, patch together a functional passing game knowing that they have to, you know, offer so much help to this this uh, makeshift offensive line. Um, but so, you know, the bigger Dan Jones question, like, I'm almost exhausted of that only because we did it all. We've done it for his whole career probably, but we did it all last year and he got the contract. So even if you're like the biggest Daniel Jones detractor, and I've been a skeptic throughout his career. I've seen moments where I think, oh, this guy could be a franchise QB. I've had other moments uh, where I'm not so sure, but I don't think it really matters. I mean, he's going to be the quarterback obviously for the rest of this season and really barring them completely bottoming out and having like a top three pick or something. He's going to be the quarterback next year. I mean, that's just the way the contract was structured. So like, I don't think every discussion about Daniel Jones needs to be, like this big picture, like is he the guy, is he not? Like he's going to get the chance to show that. But like I think it's more like the the microscopic problems they need to address right now. Like how are they going to beat the Dolphins? Like how are they going right. to have a functional offense against the Dolphins? 
And again, like there's issues where, yes, it's the offensive line. Yes, it's him. But like, again, pointing the finger as fans and media doesn't really accomplish anything. The coaches need to come up with some sort of solution. And obviously they're, <laughs> I'm sure they're racking their brains and, and they really haven't been able to. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Like I said, the exhaust is the word that comes to mind because it's just, you know, you're on social media. If you just like, if I just type his name in it, if I could just type Dana Jones and hit send and I'd have, you know, 50 comments, you know, 25 saying he's the worst <laughs> quarterback, 25 quarterbacks defending him, and 25 fans defending him. That's just how he is. He's just a lightning rod, which, you know, is ironic based on his personality. Um, but so, yeah, it's just like whoever is at fault, the offense has been abysmal other than those two quarters in Arizona. So, like, they just need to figure it out. And, you know, that he needs to play better. The line needs to play better. They need to coach better. I mean, everybody needs to be better. So, like, I, you know, it's, you know, kind of slicing up the, the blame pie to me isn't really that productive because I just think that it's, it's kind of like the problems run so deep and, and really across the board. Yeah, last question I have for you. It's not getting any easier. Uh, with the Miami Dolphins next and the Buffalo Bills, like, I look at this Giants defense. This is the only question about the defense. Like, what is going on with these guys not wanting to tackle is it a scheme thing? Is it a want-to thing? Like, if you don't want to tackle Raheem Mosert and uh, Devon Achan and, and Tyreek Hill, it's going to be a long day. And those guys are looking to bounce back after being beat by the Bills. Then you got to go up to Orchard Park and face the Buffalo Bills and tackle Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox. Like, if if they don't figure it out on defense, is it's going to be a long season. What do you see? What is the number one problem with the Giants' defense outside of tackling? Yeah, well, I mean, and I thought they bounced back last night because, I mean, they were certainly in the crosshairs. That 49ers game, you know, was really embarrassing, obviously, the, the way they, you know, the missed tackles. And, um, you know, they were really in the spotlight. And, you know, Wink Martindale said, like, you know, chart them on Monday night in terms of how many missed tackles they had. And they still had a few, don't get me wrong, but that's going to happen. I mean, NFL running backs are going to break tackles. And then, obviously, there was the really – the one play that really stood out was the, the play when Fant, there was the busted coverage, and obviously he goes down yep. the sideline, and Okereke and Adore Jackson couldn't get him out of bounds. That, that's still, you know, they haven't cleaned everything up. But I would say down in and down out, I think the defense played pretty darn well. When you think about the situation they were in last night, you figure uh, one of the touchdowns was a pick six, so obviously that's not on them. The other touchdown was on a seven-yard drive after the Jones fumble. Um, you think of the second half, they come out, they come up with a big stop on fourth and one to, to get the ball back to the offense. Then uh, Seattle's next drive starts at their 40-yard line. They don't give up a first down. They miss a long field goal. So, like, I feel like the defense really actually did, you know, kind of show something last night. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau certainly had his best game of the year. I think you saw, you know, the addition of Zizo Jalari. He obviously brings a lot more to that other edge spot. And now, listen, Seattle had a makeshift offensive line. That's what you're supposed to do to makeshift offensive line. But still, it was nice to see them be productive. Um, you know, obviously Miami – is a huge challenge uh, with the weapons and the scheme they have. So, um, you know, I think it was a positive step, <laughs> but um, a, a way bigger challenge awaits with these next two games. So I think we'll learn um, probably a lot more. But I, I don't think that team, you know, that, that tackling effort in San Francisco is, is who they're going to be. Um, I think they kind of righted the ship there a little bit. But, yeah, certainly <laughs> they could easily look bad these next two games because they're going against two very high-powered offenses. So Tiki was right. It was only five or six plays. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, thanks for joining us, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, anytime. Take care. 877-337. A six, a six, and two more sixes. It is wide open until midnight for you to call up and get your thoughts off, your takes off. Get, get whatever you want off your chest. Open mic if you want to talk football, baseball, uh, tomorrow, we're definitely going to lean basketball and hockey to mix that in. If you want to talk life, uh, you know, career paths, you know, 
jobs, babies, whatever. We can do that on the fan until I'm done. Keith McPherson, KM to AM, returns right after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. People say Aaron's going to be sad to see Shea Stadium go, and I said I'm not. You know, I'm not at all. I think it has seen its day, and it is. It has some scars that are ready to go, and and the new stadium is going to be terrific. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. A little bit after 10.30 on the fan, KM, your nighttime host, taking you to the AM. I'm sure C-Mac is somewhere preparing his notes for his show. I'll be listening on my way home, trying to fall asleep, and then come back tomorrow and do the same thing. Another five-hour KM to AM tomorrow at 7. I said tomorrow we're going to mix in some more uh, winter sports. It's the most wonderful time. Once you get to October and you've got all the sports going, and if if you're like me, who really only is entertained by live sports, only watches sports on TV and watches people talk about sports on TV and only listens to sports talk radio and podcasts on sports, like this is a great time of the year. So we'll get into that. And, uh, you know, what makes this a great time of the year is postseason baseball. It sucks that we don't have the Mets or the Yankees to root for, but. Try to enjoy it. I gave you my hate list and the players that I'm hating on and rooting for. Uh, Paulie just brought up a good one for the Mets fans, Zach Wheeler. We just had a conversation about Zach Wheeler. Top of the eighth down at the bank, Citizens Bank Park. The Phillies are up 3-1 on the Marlins. Zach Wheeler goes six and two-thirds. He gives up five hits, only one run. I said the point. I'm like, this guy was like he he was good when he was here. He got better. Like, he's he's a good player. I don't know how Mets fans feel. I bet some Mets fans are cheering him on. And Paulie's like, yeah, he would have been here if it was the Steve Cohen era. And I remember it was just a money thing. The Phillies paid everybody. That's why they are what they are right now. Like, the Phillies, I, w- I was calling Yankees South for a little while because they had Girardi, but then they also had David Robertson and Ronald Torres and uh, Didi Gregorius and some other Yankees. But 
They were Yankee South because they took the Yankees philosophy. Every offseason, they just went to buy the best players they could buy. They just stacked the deck with Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, Bryce Harper, JT Real Muto, Zach Wheeler. Like They went out and got enough good players that are in their prime where, here we go, it's red October again. You hate to see it. 877-337-6666, open mic night for the rest of the night. Whatever sports topic you want to bring to the table, you want to ask me about, let's do it. Let's get back to the phones right now. Ben is in Bergen County. Ben, you're on the fan. Hey, Keith, what's going on? You know, watching the game here, hopefully the uh, Milwaukee Brewers don't blow it here. Two on, second and third, two outs, top of the ninth. They're down one. What you got going on? I was just watching the Phillies. Listen, I was on hold for an hour, so I'm grateful that I got through. Um, I was going to say something about Giants, but we already got that out of the MOS segment. So you can, you, talk- you can, you can. No, I mean, it, it, you were saying October is the best time of the year. And, like, right now, I'm a Rangers fan. I know you're a Devils fan. But, like, I'm excited for hockey. And the thing is, I can't be excited about football. Baseball, you know, that just went. And the thing is, with, with the Giants, it's like I think that we just overhyped a little bit. And it's kind of a lost cause at this point. I mean, I, I'm talking the next two games up as a loss. You play the Cowboys again. You have to play the Jets, who are looking a little bit better. I mean, Eagles twice. Point. Eagles twice, exactly. So it just it doesn't look too promising. But the Jets, at least the Jets, it's kind of like a reality TV show with all the drama. So that keeps me interested. Advantage um, Jets was, right now. <laughs> right, yeah. Hard knocks and whatever. So I was talking to one of my boys the other night, and I just wanted to know your take. I was thinking about it, like, because everyone was getting on Zach Wilson. I called last week and was like, where does it stop? And you were like, it stops on Sunday Night Football. And evidently, he pulled some tricks out of the bag and had, you know, four or five good drives, and that happened. So my theory is with the Zach Wilson thing is that it's kind of like when you break up with, with, with your girlfriend or your girlfriend breaks up with you, when you guys break up, and then, you know, you try to, like, work it out and as exes, and it never really works out whether you're just friends or trying to get back together. And, like, there might be days where the highs and there might be days where it's the lows, but ultimately it just comes to a head. Like, there might be one day where it's like, yeah, you and your ex really get along. So it's like that was the day, like, Zach Wilson and, and the Jets got along that day. <laughs> but, like, evidently, like, we all – It was one night. It was, it was one, one, one decent night, not even a good night. They lost. <laughs> right, and they lost. So, like, I mean, you have, have Evan and you have Beningo and, you know, BT, like, going – like, talking all this great stuff now, and they lost. So, like – that was just my take. It's like when you break up with an ex, then it goes up and down. It never ends up going well. So, I mean, why, why can't we just cut out all the BS at this point and just see it for what it it's is? Tough, and they man. These guys don't want to give up on the season. They still think the playoffs are on the table. Even their head coach, Rob Sala, had the audacity to get on the mic after the game and say, if he plays like that, we're going to win a lot of games. I'm like, that is just like, what are you talking about? What number is a lot? Seven? You right. won seven games last year. I don't know if you get back to seven. And if you do get back to seven, that's not enough to get to the playoffs. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it from here. I mean, oh, go for yeah. it. So the last thing I was going to say, so like, uh, what happens when Zach Wilson goes back to form next week? Then do we all just switch up again and say, we got to bench him? Like, I, I think That's what I'm saying. Now that there's we, film out there the for... It's just the confusion again, like when you're going yeah. back and forth with an X. There's there's film out there. All your bag of tricks that you showed last week, you're going to come up with another bag of tricks to 
right. throw them off. Like the Broncos got their first win of the season and they're riding high, going back home in front of their fans. And they circled this date just like you did because of all the talk in the preseason. I, I, I don't know, but I'll uh, I'll expand on it here. Thank you for the call, Ben. So, yeah, you know, I, I do remember saying that. I, I said it was a breaking point, right? I said, okay, when does, you know, people asking, when does it end with Zach Wilson? When are we going to move on from Zach Wilson? Timmy Boyle had his helmet on, shoulder pads, was was dressed. And if Zach Wilson, Zach, Zach Wilson was blanked in the first quarter, if Zach Wilson didn't turn it on and show us something in that second quarter and get points on the board and things didn't swing, then at halftime they would have had to consider Tim Boyle for sure. But you know what? That's why I kept saying give credit where credit is due. Zach Wilson went out there and actually flipped the narrative. Even in a loss, he flipped the narrative that he couldn't play. And you got, you know, some some guys like Rodney Harrison who played the game. They're so stuck in Twitter and social media and the negativity. Even after the kid goes out there and plays well and they only lose by three, they cover. Rodney Harrison's still like, oh, this kid is garbage. And Chris Jones is like, no, I'm not saying that. Like, I just played against him. Zach Wilson has some talent, and he's 24. Is Bo Nix older than him? Stetson Bennett is older than him. Like, there are guys in college that are older than Zach Wilson. So I I give him credit for flipping the narrative, seizing the moment, not letting the moment be bigger than him, and literally potentially ending his tenure with the Jets. Like, that shows growth. That shows maturity. Even the way that he handled the postgame. He said, it's on me. I lost the game. And I bet he felt more empowered to do that because everyone was singing his praises. You got Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard, these guys patting him on the back, Morstead patting him on the back. Like, I think the whole team was surprised. Like, okay, it actually came out on the field. What we've seen this kid do in practice, he translated it to the game. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes meets him at the 50-yard line. He says, yo, man, you played like Aaron Rodgers tonight. I don't know if I would like that, but I bet you Zach did. He idolizes Aaron Rodgers. Oh, the best quarterback in football said I played like Aaron Rodgers. He has to build on it. He has to build on it, right? We said he can't read a defense. He made some reads. What else? Uh, he's, we said he couldn't process information, make decisions. He did. He missed some throws, but I guess that'll come in time. I mean, it's year three. The kid's got arm talent. He's got athletic ability. We never questioned that. It was all between the ears if the pressure was too much, if it was getting to him. you know. He's also now removed the title of worst quarterback in the league. If you ask me, there's some worse guys out there than him. Desmond Ritter, I don't know about him. I don't know about him. Desmond Ritter, I almost turned $5 into 615 I took the under on his passing yards, and I, I I faded that whole London game. I'm like, nobody's going off in this game. The under uh, the over-under was at 185. He threw for 191. It really wasn't even him. It was like Bijan and Jonu Smith who got it for him. I'm like, bruh. Anyway, yeah, Desmond Ritter is the worst quarterback in the NFL, starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I, I like that they got McCole Hardman in the game. You know, I wanted to see him actually get the ball and do something against his former team. That shows growth with Nathaniel Hackett and their offense. Oh, Xavier Gibson, the X-Man. We got to call him the X-Man. He's amazing, that kid. He trucked a defender. He is 5'9", 180 pounds. He trucked a defender, and I was hype. You know, they gave him that little reverse. You got to do that. You got to kind of throw them off your scent with Zach Wilson. You can't have him sitting in the pocket trying to make reads, especially like, you know, in that Patriots game, in the rain, in the conditions. That was stupid. They just had him sitting there trying to make reads. That's not what kind of player he is. What was I saying to you guys last week? Roll the pocket. 
Give him one read. Give him one guy man-to-man to look at. Back shoulder throw. He was very accurate with those throws. So he he showed the world, hey, they drafted me number two overall for a reason. I'm not this garbage bum that everybody says. It's just been tough for me. They didn't set me up for success here. But, like, we're getting there. They're, we're working on it. And, uh, yeah, Zach Wilson, I think what he did was get people off his back and now the you know focus shifted to the refs and the defense. The defense put them in a hole. They were down 17-0 right away. How come no one's talking about that? Um, I guess we were. It's just now Tuesday, almost Wednesday, so people are kind of away from that. Ross in Bergen County on the fan every day. What's up, Ross? Keith, what's going on, man? How you been? I'm good. I was off for three days, and, you know, I'm just like, I'm getting back to my thoughts and comments on the Jet game, but... You know, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't wait till Thursday when it's week five and we turn the page. We got Bears, uh, Bears Redskins, a real uh, barn burner coming up on Thursday, huh? You never know, right? See, that's the thing. We all think, oh, it's Thursday night football, Bears, Commanders, both of those teams. Yeah, we had it like two years ago. It was like 12 9. Both of those teams are coming off of great games for themselves, right? Both of those teams yeah. put up points. Uh, the the Bears Commanders. Bears crazy lead, though. Yeah, the Blair, the Bears blew that lead, but they their offense got going. People were wondering if Justin Fields could do it. He showed he could do it. Um, well, look at the Commanders; they went to overtime with the Eagles. So I think these two teams are on a co- collision course to um, I don't know have like a thirteen ten game on Thursday. Well, I mean the, the Fields uh, DJ connection might not matter. You see that thing that as of right now, the Bears would have the first two overall picks because they yeah. have the Carolinas pick from the DJ trade. They're saying maybe, you know, the Caleb Williams-MHJ connection. That's, you know, last thing we need that division. But when you look at Caleb, he kind of, he kind of has like a, a no-trade list. The guy hasn't even... Why would he go there? If he's I mean, already put he's out there that he, he likes living in L.A., making $4 million through NIL, he'll come back for a year trying to win a third Heisman. Yeah, he's going to be like uh, he brought, brought him up before, Stetson Benny. He's going to be, you know, in mid-30s. He's going to be playing at Georgia or at USC in his case. You can't make yep. it up, man. Uh, real quick, you know, I was kind of bummed out. I didn't get to go to that thing on Saturday with uh, you and Sims and Mangold and everything. I heard some of the sound bites on uh, the morning show. They uh, kept bringing up Sims with the lady glass and everything, you know, busting his chops. So, oh, did they have was, audio from that? Was that all recorded? Yeah, I think they clipped. Uh, I, you couldn't hear it that good. Oh, that was the highlight. Uh, Phil Sims was going in on Boomer. He roasted Boomer for like two minutes. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was laughing. He didn't like that uh, Boomer and Gio were making fun of his glasses. He was <laughs> well, like, they got the soundbite when, when Nate Burleson, hey, lady glasses, and they keep playing it because that was the whole thing that Gio brought it up or something. No, I'm see, um, I was, was saying, was there well. was there a soundbite from the Q&A I did with Chris Sims and uh, or Phil Sims and yeah. Nick Mangle? Yeah, I think Reco, Reco played it. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it was uh, – like you go back and play it. I think it was yesterday at like nine thirty, like the nine. I'm never up I'm at, sure. at that time, and if I am, I'm not listening to the radio. I'm listening to my my son cry. Um, I, but I that's good. It. That's good because Phil Phil took advantage of the opportunity. He's like Boom, Boomer thinks he's the hey, best looking guy in the in the building. He's heavy. He's a little overweight. <laughs> he started going in on Boomer and everybody cracking up. That's funny as hell. I actually know that place too well. I know uh, you had the video going up the escalator. Did you notice they have the Bryce Harper poster of him in the Nationals helmet still all these years later? No, I did not notice that. Yeah, it pissed me off. You know, it takes like five minutes to get somebody to get an updated poster. Somebody's got to do it. You know, the manager has to request it. They got to send it. You know, places like that. 
here it's hitting dingers five years later in the city of brotherly love. Yeah, uh, places like that, 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 that someone's got to go out of their way to say, hey, we need a new poster. We need a, a Pete Alonzo poster in here. Yeah, but no, no it, was, it was good, man. I, I mean, I hope we do some more stuff with me like that because uh, it's just it's it's great to yeah. put faces to voices. Like I met Lisa from Irvington who calls. Uh, I just I, I met so many people. I feel bad because it's hard. You know, I'm still new at this. It is hard Same to faces, shake people's yeah. hands, ask their names, and I try to retain their names but it's one after another, and then it's like, all right, I just learned 25 people's names, and I'm not retaining them. But but people showed love. There was a good turnout, and I'm glad I got a chance to host that. Yeah, I know the station has all these events. I was trying to go to the uh, DJs over the summer, but it was like after 12 or something. It was 18 or 21 and up something. We were going yeah. upstate anyway. We couldn't go, but that always looks like a good time. And, uh, yeah, I know the station's always running all the events and everything. It's always it's – always, uh, Always looks cool. And uh, real quick, I know you're kind of up, uh, you know, running the clock. I want to bring up the games today. You see, uh, you know, the game right now, Arizona-Milwaukee. You notice they got Marlins men in the front row while the Miami game's going on? Yeah, Marlins man. Um, Marlins man trips me out, bro. I don't know his thought process of where he goes and why he goes. But, like, he's not really a Marlins fan. Uh, they don't. I guess he is. I don't know. I see, he, I see him everywhere but where the Marlins are. And they never wear those orange jerseys. I don't think they ever wore those... Marlon jerseys, maybe they did like 15 years ago or something, and he wears it yeah. everywhere. It's like this guy's so obsessed with the like little image that he made for himself. I, I, I don't rock with him at all. And, yeah, I before saw... I said that Milwaukee, hopefully they don't blow it, they completely blew it. Devin White oh, yeah. in the ninth the inning. Back-to-back. Back. Yeah, well, you see uh, Longoria all of a sudden looking like his prime self. Of course, he wants that, to that win. Yeah, <laughs> you got a couple of, you know, dating back to the, the Rays Chiefs a couple of years ago, you got Donaldson and Longo on the uh, – Left corner, you see one of them is making web gems. The other one, uh, he almost tore an ACL on a stolen base attempt. I saw Perdomo, Perdomo going in. He split a little quickie quick, and then Donaldson was like, you know, Winston and Payne or something. I, I I cut to the Philly game afterward, but you see Longo all of a sudden was he like 38, 39? He was with San Fran last year. It looked like he was he was basically on his way out. All of a sudden now he's a difference maker. I mean, he's a goat. He's one of the best. We we had yeah, no we doubt, had to bro. deal with him for years in in Tampa. He's trying to win, yo. Yeah. I just did it again. Sports brain. I said, I said, Devin White. Devin White is a Devin linebacker White. for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That was Devin Williams. I know who both of them are. I'm very familiar, but just like sports brain, all these different names, and when they're close like that, it's just something you do. Yeah. <laughs> how about uh, how about uh, the 2023 Tampa Bay Rays still getting five people uh, going to their playoff yeah. teams? Yeah, I saw they had under twenty thousand fans at. Tropicana Field today, and that's a record for the lowest postseason attendance in like X amount of years. Yeah, and then real quick too, you see Minnesota. You know, if you, you know Yankee fans are rode down, it makes you feel better. You see another uh, Farhan Zaidi disciple and Gosman go down. All of a sudden, look like his you know show, show himself from his days in Cincy and Atlanta. He walked like five guys or something. Good the contract they gave him. I don't love him. Yeah, good. They got Manoa, you know, putting the, the pressure. The Blue Jays are frauds. I've been telling you that. Yeah, C-Mac's been telling you they're fraudulent. The Yankees went up to Toronto and beat them in their own place. The Rays went up to Toronto and bleed. How do you lose? How do you go to the postseason, but you lose back-to-back series at home before you go in a postseason? Because you're frauds. They, you're not they like They were that. never the same once uh, AA left. And you see what a difference maker AA, AA is down south in Atlanta. They got yep. that from Atkins or something running the show. Now you see the uh, Varsho trade. Look at what a difference Guriel and Moreno are. You see, because they, they dig too much into the to the fan graphs and all that. Varsho, look, you know, look at the peripheral, peripherals or something. 
look like a, you know, a future Hall of Famer. They give up. I mean, they got a catcher's lab over there. They got Jansen. They got Kirk kind of stinks now, too. But you look at Gurriel all of a sudden having a, a breakout year, too. And, you know, he's not even on the team. He was, he was a fan favorite. They got Varsha now batting ninth. I hope, they, so I hope they're eliminated tomorrow. I wish them no, no luck. Thanks for the call, Ross. 877-337-6666. We got about an hour left. These games are about to be done. Uh, just like that. The wild card round on the ABC family of networks, great for Major League Baseball. They didn't do a good enough job letting everybody really know about, like, all right, these games are going to be at these times. We just rolled from the regular season in to the postseason, but at least they have them on ESPN ABC where you can watch them. So the final game now, that that Milwaukee game just went final 6-2-3. Devin Williams blows it in the ninth, but now top of the ninth, in Philadelphia, the Phillies are up 4-1, and uh, they're on their way. They're on their way to uh, – I just I hate it, man. I'm I, Like, the Yankees, like, piss me off, bro. Like, how, like the, look at the Phillies back-to-back years. Watch the Phillies find their way to the World Series again. Teddy and Yonkers on the fan. Go for it, Teddy. Oh, Keith, uh, you know, it's amazing. Keith, I don't know if you're aware of this, but maybe you, you could have it DVD'd or – Somebody could tell it to you on Frontline tonight at 10, or 10 o'clock. Oh, yeah. Paulie told me about it. Go about ahead. Houston, about the whole scandal. Those son of a you-know-what. I don't. I can't say it over the air. <laughs> I hope they get knocked out in the first round, Keith, to see Houston well, in the playoffs. They have a bye in the first round. So in the second round, yes. But, no, I'm right there with you. Uh, Paulie told me about it. Frontline. So for everyone listening, there's a, a special called The Astros Edge. Triumph and Scandal in Major League Baseball. It premieres tonight. It's on right now. It started at 10 o'clock. It's on right now. I'm watching it while I'm waiting for you. And, and it's making your skin crawl. I can hear it in your voice. You're agitated. You're pissed oh, off. Because sure we should have went to the World Series that it's year. It's right. Keith, you used the word the other day, last week. It sucks that the Yankees are not in it. I want all of my friends that are listening now, my former students, my good friend, my superintendent, and my building, John, he's listening. I, it sucks that the Yankees are not in there. And I agree with Judge. He has to have a say in how the Yankees come to the, what they're going to do next year as far as this the changes. And I don't care for what my friend Sessa said about Judge telling Judge to shut up and just play. Mike Francesca is disgusting, and I know he worked at the fan, and you can't... Did he say that on his podcast? I haven't been listening to Francesca's pod. I should go listen to that tonight, when, uh, yeah, or tomorrow before hey. I get back on. Why would he tell Judge to shut up? I don't... You tell me, because maybe just... He, Somebody's got to say something. Somebody's got to be pissed off. Somebody's got to push back. He's a darn idiot. And Keith... Who are you picking to win the, the the World Series? The Braves, the Braves, the Atlanta Braves, and Ronald Acuna Jr. Okay, I, I, I I'm rooting for Baltimore because I'm an, Amer- I'm an American League fan, and they're young kids. No, and I think they just play, they no have you don't nice want an American League. No, 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 no. Thanks for the call, Teddy. Teddy, you do. Whoa, 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 yo, I don't. All right, before we go to break, like I saw some Yankee fans on Yankee Twitter say, like, even though I'm a Yankee fan, I'm rooting for the Baltimore Orioles. Why? We own them. They were little bro not that long ago. You want to see them win a World Series? You want to see them go to a World Series? And the Yankees are going on 15 years? Did you enjoy the Red Sox winning the World Series? Did you enjoy Tampa making a run and going to the World Series and losing 
No. How does that work? Like, I go to I go to Camden Yards when the Yankees aren't playing, and I'm chanting, F the O's. I'm getting at their fan. Like, I have no love in, in, in me for Baltimore. I don't like what they did, right? Even the fact that they had that young man, what was his name, Kevin Brown, on their broadcast who read a graphic talking about how trash can they were, how garbaggio they were, and they got mad, their ownership got mad and suspended that young man for reading a graphic? These guys tanked. It's not a cute little story because they have a bunch of young guys. They changed the dimensions of their ballpark. Beautiful Camden Yards. They made that a monstrosity out there. Looks like, a, I don't even know. what. Like It looks like the, the jail to get out of a, a, a prison. Or the wall to get out of a prison. The new Shawshank. <laughs> the new Shawshank. You know, they, they robbed Aaron Judge of a home run last year. He would have had 63. He should have hit it farther. I'm not I, I'm not going for it with the Orioles, man. You're Aaron Hicks so, is over there. You want to see Aaron Hicks have a World Series ring on his finger after this year? They don't want to see Aaron Hicks. They want to see their league beat the NL. That's how no. sometimes it works is that. So the, what about the Astros winning it? That's cool if the, the Astros old, go win it. Hell no. The old school fans won. We got to make root a rooting lead. guide. We got to make a rooting guide for Yankee fans. They I think I heard lead. Evan said he's going to do a... a Rico Bronya for, you know, Mets fans rooting for. Like, I don't understand how how you face a team every single year. Like, dude, I was at those games. Yeah. The Yankees blew games this year. There was a point in time where we thought we were about to catch up to the Orioles, and the Yankees had leads on the Orioles, and we blew those games. We helped them get there. We owned them the past few years, and they rose up. I hope that their inexperience plays. I hope that they take this week off and they rest and they chill, and if they meet the Texas Rangers, they're cold, and the Rangers are hot. And Jordan Montgomery, who's familiar with Camden Yards, who's familiar with the Orioles, shoves. I'm not rooting for the Orioles. I'm rooting for our entire division to lose. If the Yankees can't be in it, I don't want to see any of our uh, rivals having success. That's all we do now. 877-337-337. 6666. More of your calls and more sports conversation on the fan right after this. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. 
Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.